Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible in this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week. We have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Welcome back to Memoirs of Abiding, where we are diving into the idea of illumination. We're going through this month talking about illumination, talking about God's Word and equipping ourselves each day. And I've got Ricky back this week. Ricky, welcome back to the uh, month of illumination. Thank you again. Like, like I said, I'm I'm excited for every one of these podcasts, but this these particular podcasts really get me fired up. You know, there are a lot of ways that I know the presence of God. One is, I think, one of the missing gems of apologetics that never gets used. You know, people will say, well, if there's such a good God in the universe, then why is there, you know, evil and so many problems? And I would say that's not a really good question. I think a much better question is, is if it wasn't for the fact that there's a good God who created us, we would not still be in existence. We would have bombed ourselves into oblivion and annihilation. Without God keeping us safe and alive, we wouldn't be here. And in everybody's life, there's all kinds of small ways that we don't stop to think, you know, oh, I didn't get hit by that guy that passed me by erratically on the freeway. I, you know, this, this, this. You know, God's intervening in our life all the time. But people go, well, you don't really see that. I see changed lives, and that's evidence. But when the Word of God comes to me, when the truth of God comes to me or it comes to you, the Word of God previously given to us in the Bible, not inspiration, but illumination, that is distinctively a, a moment in time where we know the presence of God is with us all the time because he's reminding us of his word. Somebody would, might say, well, just because you memorize it and you remember it, how's that prove illumination? Well, it doesn't necessarily prove it, but the experience of it in every category of life, it, the preponderance of evidence begins to stack up. And you add to that, that when I'm, the only time I hear the word of God when I'm not in fellowship with God when I'm not abiding carefully, when I'm not walking devotionally, worshipfully with God, is when he, you know, kind of smacks me upside the head with it, <laughs> right? So, so during those times when I'm being selfish, when I'm like, you know, trying to fill all the holes in my soul with something other than God, what the Bible says, walking according to the flesh, you know, walking according to all the old habits and all the old ways and all the inclinations. I'm not interested in the word of God. The, the very definition of walking in the flesh, walking in the old ways, 
is I'm not abiding in God and God's word. But even then, God keeps short tabs and along comes something from his truth, something from the word that convicts me of what I'm doing. And I feel the guilt of my rebellion or the guilt of my retreat, the, the guilt of my backsliding. And it snaps me back into going, thank you, God. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You'll never leave me alone. And then when I am walking with God, the word is coming to me and can come to whomever like a flood. Uh, earlier we were talking and you were talking about the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, which I think we'll see in an, in an upcoming podcast. It just from Paul's the Apostle Paul's point of view, illumination just seemed to be happening all the time. So we'll get a look at it this morning with Moses and Joshua. And uh, anyway, I've already said too much. <laughs> you got to kind of have to start, you know, checking me, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I got to moderate. I'll be you the moderator. You can't let a preacher just go on and on because he will never quit. <laughs> this I believe. Uh, so we have, as Ricky already broke the uh, the story, breaking news. We're doing Joshua and Moses this morning. And um, just get a little bit of a background on Joshua and Moses in case you're not intimately familiar with those books of the Bible that deal with these two. Remember that Moses was going all the way back. He was a Hebrew child during the, the time that they were in Egypt as slaves, and he had a special bringing up in the palace. So God used him to bring his people out of slavery in Egypt and start making their trek towards the promised land that he had promised Abraham that his descendants would um, have. All the land he looked left, right, up, down, BA, select, start, all of that would be the Israelites. So then we find that he takes them through, and we see in an Exodus, and we'll go over some scripture in there, Exodus, Deuteronomy, but ultimately Moses leads them almost fully into the promised land, but because of some slip-ups, um, he wasn't able to enter in with the newer generation of Israelites. So that torch passed on to Joshua, who was his kind of his, his main man, his, his uh, assistant and, and almost everything. And then when Moses died, we see this... Um, torch passing through the Lord's inspiration, through the Lord's words to Joshua to continue on his work that he had started with Moses and bringing him into that promised land. So we're going to be talking about illumination specifically in Joshua's life uh, during this period and how that led him to make the choice that he did as far as how to proceed within the promised land trek. So Ricky, if we start there, um, I guess help take us through this idea of illumination as it relates to Joshua's life. Okay. So there's a great background on, on who those guys are. Uh, let me show some of the specifics real quick. In 
and and again, Joshua follows on the heels of Moses, quite literally. He followed him through those wilderness years. And then he's the next leader to lead the people of Israel. Uh, Moses writes the first five books of the Bible. J the story of Joshua is the sixth book in the in the Bible. In our in our our Protestant English ver uh, not version, but formation and how we have the books together. But distinctively, Moses writes those first five books. And we get to chapter one, we'll see God telling of Joshua, we'll see God telling Joshua to meditate on those truths that God gave to him that he wrote down. But at the end of Deuteronomy, chapter 34 is a short chapter about the death of Moses. Death Moses did not get to go into the promised land because of something he had done. Verse 5 of 34, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, as the Lord had said, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab facing Beth Peor, and no one to this day knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak. His vitality had not left him. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, and the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all of his officials, and all to his land. And for all the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses had performed in the sight of Israel. This is a, an important passage of scripture to be reminded of because he was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do. This is an important point. God doesn't always do miracles through people. He doesn't always give inspiration, new revelation through people. It's actually quite rare. There are only 40 writers for the 66 books of the Bible. It took 1,500 years for those books to be written and brought together in a compendium that we refer to as the Bible. But it spans you know, somewhere around 4,000 years of history. It's really quite rare for these kind of things to occur. Well, while it's happening to Moses, Joshua is there with him quite often and very specifically. The rest of the folks, there was a particular time in which they heard the audible voice of God, and they said to Moses, we cannot handle that. Please ask of the Lord for him to speak to you. Then you tell us what the Lord said and will obey. So Moses related relates that to God, and God said, you know, that's that was wise of them. That was a good thing, what they said. Now, if they will have a heart, oh, that they would have a heart to obey all the things I'm going to tell you and all the things that I have told you. If they would have a heart to be illuminated by this truth that I give you through inspiration, then all will go well with the nation of Israel. It's Pretty incredible story, this nation of Israel. But to see 
uh, Joshua in this mix, I'm going to turn back to Exodus chapter 33. And God is continuing to give Moses this instruction about, hear my word, write my word down, make sure the people know my word. And then, you know, even in, in 33.5, for the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. <laughs> if I went with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now take off your jewelry and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites remained stripped of all their junk, their, their jewelry. They just kept on possessing stuff. They kept on trying to find meaning in everything other than God. Verse 7, now Moses took a tent and set it up outside the camp, far away from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. Now anyone who wanted to consult God would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered. You ever see those National Geographic things with the meerkats? Oh, yeah. Meerkats yep. will stand bolt upright on their hind legs, right? And their like, heads are darting around looking. That I'm reminded of this. So, you know, Moses goes out to the tent of meeting, and all the, it spreads through the camp. Moses is going to the tent of meeting. They all come outside, and they just standing ramrod straight watching him right this was pretty heavy stuff that they were witnessing verse 9 when moses entered the tent the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent and the lord would speak with moses as all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent they would stand up then bow to worship each one at the door of his own tent and the lord spoke with moses face to face just as a man speaks with his friend this is the supernatural intervention of God, even in the audible and visual stimulation, uh, the, the olfactory stimulation of the life of Moses. He spoke with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Joshua is there with Moses. Moses is meeting with God face to face, where elsewhere in Scripture, God says, you don't be looking at me face to face. You can't survive that. But for Moses, Moses and Joshua, they were given this incredible privilege. The next verse, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, look, you've told me, lead this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, if I have indeed found favor in your sight, Lord, please teach me your ways. And I will know you and find favor in your sight. Now consider that this nation is your people. Teach me your ways and I will know you. Teach our people your ways and they will know you. Give us your word. Give us your truth. Give us your commandment, your precepts, your statutes. And we will know your heart and your desire. And we will do what you ask of us. And then he replied, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight unless you go with us? 
I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said, I will do this very thing you've asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. I'm thinking is Joshua doing sitting behind Moses as Moses is having this audacious conversation with the Lord. I mean, a, a serious, audacious conversation. Um, Joshua's, is he like, hey, Moses, 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 I don't think you're supposed to talk that way to God. <laughs> but God's not hard nose. He wants to have this conversation with his prophet. And Joshua gets to see this. In verse 17, the Lord answered, I'll do this very thing you've asked for. You've found favor in my sight. And Moses said, please let me see your glory. So Moses is asked, show me your ways and now show me your glory. And Joshua gets to see this in real time. Back to chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. Moses dies. And now we're introduced to Joshua's story, his continuation of the story. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead, God said to, to Joshua. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. This is the same instruction he gave to Moses. So it's inspiration. God's talking to him. But it's the same truth that has come before. Verse 3. I've given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you nor forsake you. This is actually a, a, an actual, the same exact words given to Moses earlier, I think, I think it's in Deuteronomy 34. These are the same words given to the author of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. I will not leave you nor forsake you. These Hebrew people sometimes received it via inspiration and other times received it, received it via illumination. And I've received it through illumination. In troubled times, the very words, I, Ricky, I will not leave you nor forsake you. It's God chooses to repeat this truth because it's true forever. And it's true for you, Chris, and for me and anyone who walks with the Lord. Verse six, he goes on. God's continuing to speak to Joshua. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers. Verse seven. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that, when, that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So now God literally says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, be carefully 
to carefully observe the whole instruction my ser servant Moses gave to you. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything. Is it actually uh, in, in verse 8, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You must meditate upon it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. Meditate on it. Uh, to think about it, to ponder it, to consider it, to mull it over, to wonder about it, to, to bask in it, to revel in it, to store it away in our hearts, our minds, just as we we talk about all the time when Jesus said, abide in my word, this is what he means. Meditate about it all the time. So now Joshua is literally told via inspiration by God himself, pour my word into you all the time, moment by moment, day by day. To what end? <laughs> so that it will go well with you. You will do as Moses did. You will follow this truth. What truth? The previously given word of God. So in the middle of receiving inspiration, just as we saw last week in Jeremiah, he also receives illumination. Now, to what end? That the folks, when they enter the promised land, they will do as they have learned from God via Moses and now Joshua. So you come to chapter 3 of Joshua, verse 1. So Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. Crossing the Jordan River is entering into the promised land as they were instructed to do. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, carried by the Levitical priest, you must break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. And then he said to the priest, take the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. Now, what is he doing here? He's literally sharing with the leaders and the leaders are sharing with the people and sharing with the Levitical priest who are going to be the bearers of the Ark of the Covenant. All of this is obedience to the word of God. They, their leaders, starting with Joshua, are illuminated about what has been told before, and they follow that just as God told Joshua to do in chapter 1. And they go about their business of inheriting the land. Now, if you go and do a historical study about this whole thing, one of the things we find is when they were abiding in the Lord, and by abiding in the Lord, they were abiding in the truth, just as God had instructed Joshua, as we read in chapter 1. And just as the folks were doing here, as the leaders, beginning with Joshua, told the folks to do, when they abided with the Lord and followed his ways, his truth, they were successful. 
I went back to Exodus chapter 33 or 32, where Moses says, show me your ways. And God says, I'll show you my way, my ways, and I'll show you my glory. And when they followed that, when via illumination, they heard this truth and remembered this truth and instinctively followed it, they were successful. But you can also see in the history of Israel going into the promised land, at every point of failure, they disobeyed or they disregarded or they failed to tend to the ways of God and they slipped back into their old ways of thinking. And then they found failure. So I, I think in Joshua, we have another perfect picture of what illumination looks like in real time. God takes the previously given inspired word of God, and in his case, given to Moses, and God tells him, stay with it, meditate on it, follow it, obey it, and it will make your path straight and your ways prosperous, and the, the land will be yours. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So, And we've talked about this idea, just we haven't attached the word illumination to it but we talked about this i think it was last october actually or maybe it was the last week of september when we talked about preparing for the storm we talked about getting into the word of god getting into prayer so that when those difficult times or those moments that we just need wisdom that we would already have god's word hidden in our heart that we would already have that communion with the lord so that just as Joshua needed that wisdom from God on how to enter the promised land, and he got that from, you know, meditating on God's word or the previously inspired information that came to Moses, which could have been written. It also could have been remembering what God had spoken audibly to Moses since he was there. Either of those two, he put those on the forefront of his mind. He put that deep into his heart. And because of that, he was able to enter the promised land in the manner befitting a leader of God's people. Is that kind of what, what you're saying there? Yeah, I think, yes. Uh, his character was shaped by it. But also, also, they repeated, and therefore we know they were illuminated by not just the general sense of what had come before, but also the specifics. So the whole idea of consecration, you know, for the, the Levites, you know, in, in verse 5 of chapter 3, Joshua, not just the Levites, but all the people, he told the people, consecrate yourselves before the Lord, who will do wonders among you tomorrow. This idea of consecrate yourselves for these big events, this happened at the meeting of the people of God with God at Mount Sinai years and years before and god told moses tell the people to consecrate themselves so the very truth that god had given to moses directly is given to the next generation of leaders starting with joshua and they give it to the people who are now entering the promise literally the next generation because the the generation of the Exodus did not get to go into the promised land. Two of them, <laughs> two people from the original generation, Joshua and Caleb. 
got to inherit the promised land. The rest of them were the next generation. So they're hearing the very words when they hear words like consecration, the Ark of the Covenant. Yep, they know about that stuff intuitively now because it's been poured into them like, like we've been talking about. And it's brought to them in real time. So when they enter the land, God is still with them. God is still speaking to them. And to Joshua, he's given inspiration. And to Joshua, he's given illumination. And I think as the troops went into the land, we might not get to read about this word for word. But as the different leaders went to different cities to inherit the land, when they abided, when they were illuminated and they followed, they were successful. And when they didn't do that, they were not successful. Yeah, and we can use that in our own lives, right? So as, yep. as a believer in Christ, when we abide in God's word, the whole idea of God's word is not a system or series of laws or rules for him to judge our behavior. It's literally set out so that we can have the most fruitful, abundant life in God while we're on this earth, but also into the, the follow on right into eternal life. If we don't, and we never accept Christ, then our follow on to this world is, is a life completely separated from any hope of God. Yeah. And, and whatever that looks like, but even for the believer in this world, if we put our faith and our hope in God's word, not just in an informative manner, but to the point that it transforms how we think, how we act, how we walk into these different situations or scenarios, this different move to a new place or this different job that we go into or this different relationship that we develop. All of these things, as we keep God's word in the forefront of our lives, daily committing ourselves to it, whether it's meditating on something we read yesterday or whether it's reading a new chapter or a new series of verses, then while we pour that stuff away in our hearts, we can utilize that through the Holy Spirit in order for us to live an abundant life in that day. And then in the follow-on day, in the follow-on, and continue on in that one. Yeah, so it's a, a friend of mine, the director of uh, Ecola Bible College, he said to me one time, he said, he said, the Bible is like the most hyperlinked book in the world, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is. Because none of you don't have a book of the Bible that just stands by itself. It's God's word. And so it, it has to be hyperlinked. And so like last week when we talked about the allusions and the quotes, sometimes it's a direct quote, word for word. Sometimes it's an illusion. Maybe there's a word or two that helps you to know that what is being talked about in a later passage of Scripture that has been divinely inspired and, and given to us through the work of that prophet or apostle is being is alluding to something that had come before. And that's what's happening here. Because if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy 6, you have that whole issue of familial instruction. You know, behold, you know, you shall love the Lord your God, right? 
and you meditate upon my word. They were to put it on their forehead and on their wrist, and they were to talk about it, uh, literally sharing it with the children. When you get up, talk about it. When you lie down, talk about it. When you're coming and going, talk about it. Nail the word of God on the the doorpost of your of your house. You know, the word of God was to be continually framed in their mind, just as in Joshua chapter one, when God says this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth, you are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. The word recite, and you know, is one of those words when it translates into English, um, there are more than one word that could be used there. And scholars really prayerfully grapple with which particular word works the best. And uh, one translation says you should recite it, right? Day and night, recite it. Another one will use the word meditate. Meditate on it day and night. Recite it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Not a lot of difference, some nuanced differences, but the idea is keep it before you all the time. If you if we're we go to the maybe the quintessential passage in the Bible on this whole issue. It's Psalm 119, where the whole psalm, you know, the largest chapter in the Bible deals with this very thing. And verse 9 of Psalm 119 begins by saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. And he's talking to the Lord, by keeping your truth. So I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. What command and word? Are hyperlinks. It's synonymous. The command might be nuanced in a way differently than word, but it's still God's truth, right? I have treasured your word. Now we have that word again in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Lord, you may be praised. Teach me your statutes. Now here's another word referring to the inspired word of God. Poured away poured away in our hearts and like verse 11 i've treasured your word in my heart or i've set it apart in my your heart my heart i've laid it up in my heart of hearts to joshua years and years and years and years and years before the psalm now meditate on it recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it this is the methodology by which god demonstrated his presence for them. As you meditate on my word, I will filter it back to you. I will give it back to you in real time. Yeah. And on and on it goes. It's a very hyperlinked book. The whole book is that way. You can't miss all the allusions and all the references. Yeah. So in some ways we get both and we get the inspiration to Joshua, but when he says things like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's also a direct quote from what God said to Moses and also which was given again to the writer of Hebrews and elsewhere in scripture. Yeah, that's good. So continuing on, we'll address Paul. And I think the last one we'll address is Jesus and all of these and illumination. So yeah, I hope, I hope everyone keeps with us. Um, and then I, I think uh, it's a good stopping point. So let's let's pray and then we can uh, 
we can continue on. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you don't just speak once and let it be done, but you continue. You work in our lives uh, just like you did in Joshua's life, just like you did in Moses's life. Lord, that you continue to speak your truth to us. And we have all of your words written that that you want us to have that really show us your character and your goodness. And it is, it's profitable for teaching and preaching, rebuking, exhortation. It's profitable in so many different ways, Lord, that it lights our paths and helps us to know, just like Joshua needed to know, how to proceed even after we wake up. Or maybe it's bigger and, and it's whether to go into a business you know, venture or to buy a house or to get married or to go on a trip or to move. All of those things are big choices as well, Lord. I just pray that your word continues to be the guide for our, our lives, the light upon our path, Lord, that we can see ahead and know that you're the one directing it, that we can give up the idols that we have in our lives, Lord. So help us with that and, uh, and help us to learn more and more about what illumination looks like in our own lives. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.